Hello, and welcome back to Sound Up Seattle, the one-stop shop for all things Seattle sports, and already my co-host is laughing at me. <laughs> Tyler, what is your damage? Oh, this is John Kerry, by the way. <laughs> this is Tyler Cartwright. We're just, you know, the way that John just turned on his performance like that was very impressive. Oh, the voice gets silky when I need it to. <laughs> um, yeah, today, I guess... Why don't you give a little rundown? What are we even yeah, talking about Let me today? Let me give the rundown. So today... Oh, there's a novel idea. Yeah, give the rundown. Jeez, <laughs> I just had that. <laughs> <laughs> All by yourself you thought that one. Um, so today we're going to be talking about the Kraken and how they have they might have fallen off a little bit. Did they, that... did they peak too early? Yeah, did they peak too early? Um, we're going to talk about the Mariners and the Oscar Hernandez arbitration deal. <laughs> Stay tuned for that, folks. There's <laughs> <laughs> not a lot going on with the Mariners. <laughs> <laughs> That's called burying the lead for all you young journalists out there. Um, then we're going to touch on Gonzaga and St. Mary's. Apparently college game day is going to, going to Gonzaga for, for this game. A um, little bit about the Washington college teams doing some damage to Oregon. Love that. And then uh, we'll, see what, we'll see if we can touch on this other stuff, the other topics that we have to bring up. Um, none of them really have to do with Washington sports. Yeah, but so if we get through it, there are a couple little dabbles we might get into yeah. in, in some of the national national news of the sports world but i guess you got to start where you're going to start yeah seattle kraken after going on an eight game win streak seven game on the road win streak that was the historic road win streak that they had in early january since that time they have lost nine of their last 15 they're six and nine um over the course of their last 15 and Mm -hmm. including some tough losses to some not great teams yeah, recently. So we're recording this on uh, Wednesday. So to put that in perspective, they play the the Bruins tomorrow, but they just played the Sharks. That'll be a big game. This, this we're going to talk a little bit about. Maybe they've peaked. If they beat the Bruins tomorrow, we're going to look like idiots. Yeah. But that's why we're having this conversation <laughs> that's tonight. That's why we have hot takes. We are not afraid to be wrong here. <laughs> so just gonna. I'm just gonna talk about some of the stats that that this game had between the the Kraken and the Sharks and we're just going to analyze that because this is what we do now on this podcast we are a hockey podcast first and foremost first and foremost the Seattle Mara who <laughs> Kraken only um so the first thing is the they're not the Mariners the, the Kraken lost to the Sharks four to zero so they were unable to score now keeping that in mind they had more shots than the than the San Jose Sharks at 26 shots and while the Sharks had 23. Um, 24 hits for the Kraken and 22 hits for the Sharks. Um, they won more face-offs. They had the same amount of power play opportunities. Didn't have Neither team had any shorthanded goals. The same total penalties, the same penalty minutes. The Kraken had more takeaways and less giveaways, but they had eight less blocked shots. For, they had seven blocked shots and 15 for the, for the Sharks. 4-0. That is brutal. It's also worth noting the Kraken at this moment sit at 32, 19, and 6. The San Jose Sharks sit at 18, 29, and 11. This was not a loss to a good team. This was not a loss to an okay team. This was a 4 0 loss to a bad team in which we weren't losing on anything crazy. We weren't down in the penalties the whole game. That's not what happened. We were playing a pretty clean game against a bad team, had more shots on goal, and lost four to zero this is a team that won a seven game road trip what's going on what is what is happening to the to the kraken to the mariners <laughs> whatever this hockey team's called um what i will say i'm going to add one more thing to that 
I looked at the uh, the ESPN power rankings for uh, for just like all of hockey, and I think the the Sharks were ranked 30th out of 32 teams, and the Kraken are were 10th or 11th when I looked. Wow. So a 20 team disparity according to ESPN, and really it just came down to our guys getting in front of the puck. Like a, like we only had seven blocked shots. They had 15. They had 15. I we had yeah. 26 shots. So they're blocking almost two thirds of our shots, and we blocked less than a third of theirs. But I, that being said, at the end of the day, when the puck reached the goalie, they had 23 shots on goal and scored four times. We had 26 shots on goal, scored zero times. Now that means one of two things. Either their goalie is incredible and or had an incredible night, which based on their record, I'm going to guess is probably not the case. Or we were just, you know, we were just putting the puck right into his chest every single time. That's something I think with hockey we need to find a better way to track that as a stat where it's like, you know, a puck that a, a goalie's making a great save on, snapping that wrist out and catching it midair, that's a save. A puck that drives directly into his chest while he sits in the <laughs> middle of the nest also counts as a save. And from the cracking games that we've watched, I've seen a discouraging amount of shots on goal that go directly into the goalkeeper's chest. I haven't seen the Kraken make it look hard for a goalie in a long time. That's a great way to phrase it. Um, not made it look very hard. I would I would compare this to the the Kraken with their seven blocked shots. That means the goalie had to save if he if he makes all of his saves. The Sharks had 23 shots. That means the goalie had to save 16 of them. It, it, the the Kraken had 26 shots and uh, the Sharks had 15 blocked shots. So that means their goalie only had to stop 11. So just like that in and of itself, if the Kraken are blocking a shot half as much as they, they should have been, they should have a pretty even matchup, but they, the, the Kraken should be scoring just more often with their number of shots that they're getting by people. Yes, and that holds true. I think, I think that, and we're figuring out this stat thing on the fly. I think the stat's the other way. I think blocks and saves are two independent stats. Yeah, that's I think saves reach the goalie. So it wasn't they had 26 shots. They would have had 41 shots. 15 were blocked. 26 were saved. You think so? Is that it? I oh. That could be wrong. I'm pretty sure saves are shots that reach the goalie. Gotcha. Regardless, the fact of the matter is they were blocking shots at twice the rate that we were. And we'll see. You know, People can correct us if it comes down please, to it. Because please We're still us. figuring it out. Also, it's just a lot of stats that we're throwing at you right now. Yeah, block and, uh, saves. Let's get into just the more like general general discussion again which yes. you which you were on um yeah the kraken goalie either needs to play better which we have not seen recently yeah, their, we haven't seen their him goalies play well. have struggled they have they have three they really only use two but they have three right. goalies and uh like we we said in the last podcast they've been letting up way too many goals period yeah their defense has not been playing great what's frustrating too is when you look at you know a lot of stats but look at what they did tonight on offense a lot of shots on goal with no goals. You look at that at the opposing goal, goalie position, and say, okay, maybe they had a really good game. But the other part of it, too, is we're getting shots on goal. They might not be the highest quality. What did we discuss last time about the Kraken? They don't necessarily have that top-tier offensive talent. They have a lot of good players, not a lot of great players. And I think that's where that really shines through, is like, sure, we are hitting the puck towards the goal. But when you're getting 26 out of 26 saves, it tells you that, you know, we're not doing a good job placing it. That's where you need that top and talent, which we frankly just don't seem to have. Yeah. Can, can the Kraken get by 
without that top tier. You've seen when it works, it works. When they're moving the puck around and we've got good depth down all our lines, it works really well. But, man, the last stretch has been tough, and a big part of it has been our inability to generate offense and our inability to stop goals. Put those two things together, it is a bad recipe to win hockey games. Yeah. Even I know that. Yeah, the the 6-9 and nine over the last 15 is a, is a rough stretch, um, along with the fact that they have to play the Bruins tomorrow, which will be – the Bruins are the best team – by far in the NHL right now. That'll be a good test. It'll, it'll be, be a good test. It'll be we we're probably gonna watch that game. We'll give you a nice little eye test yeah. and get back to you in a week. Because <laughs> you know it is worth noting six and nine over a stretch is not horrendous. That's not horrible. But it's if you want to be a team that's gonna contend, it's not good enough. So if they win tomorrow night and they're seven and nine now and they have a win against the best team in hockey, maybe we're being a little pessimistic. But right now I'm not optimistic, and I don't think Vegas is either. Yeah, I would I would agree. Oh man. Yeah, I'm looking at the the Sharks record right now. Eight at before they or yeah, at the end of this game they were 18, 29 and 11. And this, the Kraken were 32, 19 and 6. So if we kept on this 6 and 9 pace, we would be about even with the Sharks in terms of their record and the Sharks are not good at all. So yeah, that's not what you we want. We do not we do not want to finish the season like this, especially if we, you know, if we make the playoffs, we had such a high percentage of making them yeah we should we should still make the playoffs and obviously this if is if we a, don't make the playoffs that would be a disappointing shock this is a big big overreaction to a recent stretch of games but it but feels it's also, like it's, it feels like it's still in the playing cards a little bit yeah it's also you know it's not all about sure we'll make the playoffs it'll be nice to have a reasonable seed yeah and it would also be nice to enter the playoffs with a tiny bit of momentum you yeah. know you don't want to crawl into the playoffs rarely does that work in any professional sport not since the 2001 Lakers has a team really just limped into the playoffs and ended up winning anything. Um, and obviously the NBA wanted them to win that, so we don't have to get down that rabbit hole. A little, little hot take there. <laughs> we don't have to talk about how the NBA is rigged tonight. Um, so I guess let's bring it back. Real general sense, how concerned are you for the Kraken? Um, I would scale say... Scale of 1 to 10. Give me a number. Scale of 1 to 10. I would say... Like a seven, like really, like oh, I was gonna say seven. Yeah, We're on the same page. I think like there's there's reason to be concerned, but I think the reason to be con- or the concern is about how they do in the playoffs, not whether they're gonna make the playoffs. I think we still have faith that they're gonna, Agreed. you know, grind it out whether they win or lose, however many games. It's gonna be they they should make the playoffs. They would be hard pressed to miss the playoffs at this point. Yeah. It's kind of the reverse of the Mariners. They were, they, last year, they were hard pressed to make the playoffs, but they but then did. Had a, but then had a way better chance in the playoffs than I think the Kraken likely will. But, yeah, yeah. I would also say seven, maybe eight, bordering on eight. They lose bad to the Bruins tomorrow. I think I'll be at an eight. Or it's, it just if they play a good game against the Bruins, maybe I'll bring it down to a six or a five too, though. Yeah, I just feel like it's just a bad sign. You know, if you have a lot of star talent and you go on a losing streak, it's probably because the stars aren't playing that well. They'll pick it back up. You'll be fine. I just have less confidence in some of these guys to really improve their level of play on a, on a game-to-game basis. So I think it will be really important for them to go into the playoffs on a good stretch. I want them going into the playoffs having won 10 of their last 15 or whatever it looks like. I just I don't think this is a team that's going to win a first-round series if... They crawl into the playoffs because it's just a bunch of role players. Yeah, they can win, but they need their role players to be rolling. It's kind of like the Brooklyn Nets right now. Very similar to the <laughs> Brooklyn Nets. Mikhail Bridges. 
Love the guy. Ugh, just a shot creator right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what the hell, Mikhail Bridges? You were at a certain valley earlier this year and not doing much. Uh, regardless. Um, um, anything else you want to discuss on the Kraken? I don't really have too much more. I'm ex- I'm excited to watch the, the Bruins game. So yeah, And, you know, I even at my seven, we have a chance to win, and it'll be fun to watch that game. And if we win... I'll be at a three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that game will... I'll put way too much weight on that game, however the outcome comes out. Um, okay. Go Squids. Go Move, Squids. Moving on. Moving on. Um, I would also just like to point out that John's sick and he's doing a great job in this podcast. Yeah, if you guys were wondering why I sounded like Fred <laughs> Rescher during pollen season, <laughs> it's because I'm battling. My immune system is fighting a war so that I can be here today, providing you with this... <laughs> Steaming hot content. All right. Um, the next topic that we are going to discuss is the Mariners and the Kraken <laughs> and the Teoscar <laughs> Hernandez arbitration deal. So, John, you know nothing about this because you don't really follow the arbitration deals around the league. What, you know? How dare you call me out like that? <laughs> and you are one hundred percent correct. I don't think most people know about this, but it is something to talk about because. It could have impacts on the, the future of Teoscar Hernandez with Seattle. Um, and this is kind of a whether you believe that or not kind of discussion. Um, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Do you know who James Acaster is? Yeah. The, the British comedian? comedian? Yeah. Oh, I love that guy. His quote, I have never been so offended by something I 100% agree with, <laughs> is my response to that comment. I'm sorry. <laughs> Please return, return to your point. Um. So just to summarize what happened was... Teoscar and the Mariners went into an arbitration case where Teoscar and the Mariners both presented an amount that they believed Teoscar should be paid this upcoming season. Um, the way that it worked is Teoscar and his his group came in with $16 million. They believed he should be paid $16 million this year, which is a, a decent amount. It's not as much as like a top-tier right fielder for his, or in, you know, Certainly player in not. his position. Um, but he's also not, you know, it's also not on the low end where there's guys who are super young making way less money than him correct hey, real quick just to kind of maybe provide some level of scale to this to put a banana next to it for scale um, <laughs> remind me how much tommy listella is making was it 12 12 million so tommy listella is making 11 million but from the giants this year so oh, the Mar- he's on a minor league deal from the mariners okay understood yes. so the giants wouldn't be paying in that Ideally. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Understood. Yep. 16. Teoscar. Um, so Teoscar's group came in with 16, and the Mariners came in with 14. So $2 million off. Not really that far, all in the in the scale of things. Certainly. You know, maybe 10 to 15% off. Seems like there's an agreement to be reached there. Yeah. And so um, a lot. there's a lot of discussion on the fact that the Mariners, like, lowballed Teoscar, and they're, you know, this could cause, like, a bad, bad relationship with them and Teoscar. It's called negotiating yeah, people. You've never like, been to a flea market? Yeah, have you ever bar- like <laughs> negotiated your salary when you got a new job? You always highball them and eventually you get to a point where you want to where you want to be. Well, exactly. And if my company offers me less, I'm not going <laughs> to storm out the door. Yeah. Hey, uh, you know, Teoscar has every right to plant his flag and say no, you know, I'll take 15.95, <laughs> but not a penny less. He can do that, but I, you know, I bet you that story's coming out of Teoscar's camp as a, you know, leverage tool to get the Mariners to budge. The fact that anybody would be offended 
asking for 16 and being offered 14 seems silly. Yeah, well, and so what happened was they settled on 14. So it's either one or the other. So the Mariners won the case, technically. Oh, it's either and, one or the other. They yeah. can't find middle ground. I don't think so. Or maybe maybe they do, but it would just be a lot longer process. And like, the player wouldn't be able to play. And I think it was more about just getting the deal done. And they got the deal done. Yeah. Teoscar took the money, people. Yeah. Why are we arguing about this? <laughs> exactly my point is it happened and it's something to think about, but not really valuable. <laughs> <laughs> like that yeah this guy is not he doesn't need the money to feed his family if he wanted to look elsewhere <laughs> that was available but uh okay great yeah well, i like to oscar i do i do too i think the other thing um the other thing to discuss is his valuation according to i think fan graphs or like you know other other stat prediction um websites are thinking that he's going to be worth around 14 million dollars so i think what the mariners <laughs> did was just like hey we don't we don't know you we don't know the value like we think you're gonna bring a lot of value to our team but we don't yes. really know you we don't we haven't seen you produce at all can we allow you can, can we, we just give you what, what you what it's that says you or yeah what it says you think or it thinks you're worth some of the best statistical minds <laughs> think you're worth this amount also guys these guys are making tens of millions of dollars obviously they have a right to negotiate on their own behalf but guess what the mariners are not the new york yankees they're not the la dodgers they need to be responsible with their payroll it would be irresponsible of them to go into arbitration and pay a guy whatever the first thing he asks for is. That would be irresponsible of the Mariners as a franchise. Wow, a lot of Mariners Twitter is going to get really mad at you. What? Why? Just that... Well, because in baseball, there's no like there's no top-tier amount. You can pay however much you want as an oh. owner. Oh, yes. <laughs> Let's all live in the fantasy world where we pretend that the Mariners spend like the Dodgers do. Yeah. Come at me, Mariners Twitter. <laughs> I, I'm not on Twitter. I'm not on Facebook. Feel free to mail me a letter. <laughs> a lot of people are not happy with the fact that John Stanton um, is not paying. I think I think they want like a lot of people are like 180 million dollars for the team is like an appropriate amount, and they're at like 130 or 140. Okay. Do you like know they, what like league average is? I don't. I know the Mariners are like kind of a middle tier, like a okay. like in the 10 to. 15 range. At, at some point you gotta you gotta ask what you can expect you know i would i would obviously love if they had one of, what's really a shame is i don't know how we aren't owned by like steve Ballmer or something how do we not have some microsoft money to throw at this what's the point of living in seattle if you can't throw microsoft <laughs> money at everything that's but, it's very true but with the current ownership you know more is better i would certainly want them to pay more but i at least they're not the oakland a's you know <laughs> God, at least they're not the Oakland A's. I don't think I would be a fan of baseball if they were if they ran their team like Oakland. I'd probably be a, a Cubs fan or something crazy. <laughs> um, the other thing that there's been a lot of discussion on, and kind of not a lot, but like Ryan Divish is out at at training camp with uh, with the team, and there's been you know he posts videos of people behind the or and like you know talks to the players and whatnot. It sounds like a few of the pitchers are working on a new pitch. A new pitch? Yeah, so uh, I think Robbie Ray and Logan Gilbert are working on splitters. Oh, you meant just... How disappointing. You just meant they are trying to add to their personal arsenal. What did you think I was trying to... I thought they were inventing a new pitch! (laughs) (laughs) Like, what what are they going to call it? I was so excited! You can't tease me like that, Tyler. Uh, We should invent a new pitch and make millions off of that somehow. I was going to say, let's get in the backyard and just see what we can do. What, What would we call the new pitch? The, uh, we got splitter, breaking ball. I'd call it the combustor. No, that's not good. That's not good. <laughs> We'd call it the, uh, the, ooh, the infiltrator. No. I don't know why I want to call it, like, the driver. 
Driver's nice. That's why it needs to be more like a physical verb. Like the, uh, the slicer. Slicer's good. What could, I feel like that could be like an off-brand slider. Like yeah, a slicer. Something, something that breaks... Something that breaks down hard, like a breaking ball. Like instead of a sli- instead of a slider, I guess that's that might be kind of what a cutter is. We're getting where into it cuts league. like down and in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They've and already done all the pitches. Damn that's it! <laughs> well, anyway, sorry guys, I apologize for Tyler teasing all of us with the thought of a new pitch in baseball. They're trying to okay. They're trying to add a splitter. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Always good to um, add new pitches. It's good. I think Logan Gilbert it should probably stick to the pitches that he doesn't have fully developed yet um Robbie Ray I think I think he has potential because he really is a two-pitch pitcher and he knows how those pitches work he just has to have them on and so adding a splitter would be nice I think Logan Gilbert's slider and changeup are still not developed yet Mm. um and so adding a splitter for some reason doesn't seem very conducive (laughs) to uh (laughs) irresponsible frankly having another pitch that you throw at 20 percent of its maximum capability instead of producing a pitch that you could throw at 100 percent. but he, he's young enough i don't have any problem with him branching out trying new things i don't have a problem oh, with it i just feel yeah. like he could allocate his uh his time elsewhere <laughs> also i do think it's funny when you're talking about these pitches they sound like very like defined things and so you know certainly some of them the way you're holding the ball changes dramatically but yeah. also these pitches can melt into each other yeah you know him improving his splitter may help his slider you know maybe that becomes his merged slider splitter, whatever. Yeah. But the point being, there are gray areas with a pitch. Yeah. I good good point. I don't really have a problem with with that statement. Um, that's really it for the Mariners. There's not much yeah, else not going, a lot on. going on. We'll we'll have much more on that in, a, in another. We'll month. come back next week with a new pitch that's going to be. <laughs> the slicer will be ready. <laughs> we'll come in with a new and new and improved spitball. It's going to be. <laughs> remaster the Ephus pitch so that it really just crawls towards the base. Um, oh, the COVID regulations are going to be rough on the on the spitball. It will. <laughs> yeah, spitball's going out of fashion for sure. COVID. I can't wait to read that Bleacher Report article. Did COVID kill the spitball? <laughs> Honestly, that should be, if we ever get into writing, that could be the first article we write. Video killed the radio star <laughs> and COVID killed the spitball. Okay, moving on from the Mariners. Into um, an ad break, because we don't have ad breaks, but we're going to make one up for you right now. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, we talked about this last week, and uh, figured we might as well. So, we're going to fade out real quick. We'll come back with a nice little ad read. This episode... <laughs> Tyler, I'm in the middle of an ad read. This episode is brought to you by the Nissan Ultima. You're smart. You don't let people tell you what to do. You're not some person that can be easily manipulated by online ads like all those other idiots. That's why you always buy the Nissan Ultima. That's it. That's it, yeah. yeah. Uh, Welcome back to to Sound Up Seattle. Brought to you by Nissan. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So, next up, we talked about it in uh, in the opening. So, let's get going on it. Gonzaga St. Mary's, how do you feel about it, John? I am excited. This Gonzaga team is weird. Can I get a read <laughs> on them? No. Do I know what's going to happen in literally any single kill game? No. Do I think we can be the best team in the country? Absolutely. Can we lose to the worst team in the country? You betcha. <laughs> and I am so excited for is this Is this game. an ad read? <laughs> Brought to you by Nissan. 
Gonzaga would win a lot more if they all drove Nissans, I tell you what. Um, but anyway, <laughs> this upcoming week, two weeks, I can't remember exactly when the game is, but it's coming up. Um, Gonzaga is hosting St. Mary's, the Gales, in the kennel uh, for a shot at the WCC title. Um, they are playing San Diego tomorrow, so obviously if they lose between now and then, they will not have a shot at the title even if they win. It'd be better if St. Mary's loses before then, too. Because then they could have a shot to win outright. Correct. I'm not sure St. Mary's has another game in between, but anyway, we will see. Point being, if both teams do what they should do easily, um, this game will determine whether or not St. Mary's wins the WCC or shares the regular season WCC championship with Gonzaga. Um, Big game at the kennel. Another big thing, college game day is coming to the game, coming to Spokane. Big deal. Um, first time in at least a couple years that college game days made it out to Spokane. Um, it's a good indicator, even in a down year, that you know the greater college basketball infrastructure is taking Gonzaga seriously, which is ironic because... I would honestly like us to have less pressure this year. I wish they would have come out two years ago when we had a really good team to show, you know. But uh, it should be fun. It should be a lot of fun. Nationally televised. To all our listeners in Bangladesh, they'll be able to stream it on ESPN. Um, yeah, and I'm just really excited. It should be a high high stakes game. Nationally televised. A really a really good test, honestly. Of like one of those games where it's like, okay, Gonzaga. Can you win the games that matter? Yep. This is a game that matters. So. Yeah, they what what we've talked about previously is that Gonzaga plays to their competition a lot. Yes, which is like great for teams that are good, but <laughs> yeah, also yeah. sucks when they play bad teams because then they lose or have really close games to San Francisco or they lose to Loyola Marymount. Correct. Um, just for reference, we've got Gonzaga ranked at number twelve. They play San Diego on Thursday. Uh, St. Mary's plays Pacific on Thursday. So yeah. there are games in between. Both those teams are very, very bad. Yeah. Pretty they, both teams should win. Yeah. For the record, LMU, by no means a gangbuster team, but they're ranked in the top 100. San Diego and Pacific are both bad. LMU is yeah. like, I don't know what their exact record is now, but when they beat us, they were 17 and 11, I think. San Diego is like 11 and 20 or something like that. They're bad. So yeah. either one of those would be massive upsets. Yeah, Gonzaga's minus 23 and a half and St. Mary's is minus <laughs> 19. So <laughs> Take the money line. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not sure I have any other huge notes have on you, it. I'm going to just bring it, bring, a little, bring it back a little bit. Have you ever uh, been to like a college game day type experience? I, yes. I, I saw Gonzaga play in the national championship. Like in Arizona, you you, you oh, I'm thinking like a college game day, like like for football, they used to have college game day that went around to schools. Understood. No, no, never been to anything like that. But I have like I was in Phoenix when they when they played UNC in the Natty. Gotcha. I was in the state. I mean, that was probably sick. It was. So I was there for the two games. I I'm trying to remember who they played. I think they played Xavier in the semifinal, mm-hmm. and so that win was very cool. And then the championship was the most frustrating two hours of my life. The rest refs stole that game right out of our hands and gave it. Roy Williams. So frustrating. Ah, Zach Collins got screwed. Regardless. It'll be very cool. Yeah, I've never been to a game day. Are you going to the, that one? I, I mean, I mean, it's kind of out of your way. <laughs> no, no. I'm not going to Spokane. I would love to, but uh, shoot. Maybe I'll look at tickets. Put ideas in my head. Do yeah. you know when is it? Uh, I can look real quick. Um, I did want to, you know, want to talk about when UW played Wazoo for game day. 
um, and game day was at UW when I was there. Um, and God, my roommate at the time and I, we were going to go to the game, but it was, we had to, we just decided to pull an all-nighter because people started like grouping up in, in Red Square at UW around like 1 a.m. And so we were just like, screw it, we'll just wander around UW for a while. And then eventually people started like gathering. And when it got to like 3 a.m., there was like a huge crowd. And by 6, it was packed and the sun was coming up. And it was a really cool experience to just have like game day, just sitting there and just like being on TV and stuff like that. It was cool. Uh, Yeah, I've always heard that stuff's really fun. Um, For reference, they played this Saturday. You and I will be in Portland. Oh, we, we're we gonna have to just have our friends uh <laughs> have our friends give I us the room yeah we're, de- <laughs> we're definitely yeah we're going down to see some grad school friends and we are gonna just be like hey guys it's been great seeing you <laughs> we will be in this room for three hours feel free to join us if you'd like um yeah we're gonna have to watch that game but um anyway it should be a lot of fun i'm not sure i have any huge notes on the game St. any, any is- big matchups that you that you can think of i know st mary's point guard is their their like high score correct player correct uh he's got curly hair okay i don't know his name um they're good they're a deep team they move the ball really well in a lot of ways they're like a bad version of us like they have been for the last 15 years suck at saint mary's fans (laughs) come at me i don't care (laughs) you wish you were us um but no no it's really just a game we have to play smart they are not super athletic but they are stout defensively so we just Mm got to make sure we're not turning the ball over we're applying defensive pressure we're We'll kill them in transition if we can get out and run. I think that's the thing. They slow the game down a lot. So it's either bringing them up to your pace or being yes. very comfortable playing a slow game. But the thing is, they're yeah, they're not a fast break team, but they execute in the half court. Yes, Which exactly. means that our half court defense has to be good. Which, it's and, a big Anton Watson game. Big Anton. And you know, honestly, that's a good matchup for us because our fast break defense is not the best. Um, we just don't have a lot of... Our wings are not the best defensively, so not great on the break that's kind of how it works but yeah great for Anton Anton loves half-court defense uh it'll be a big game to see how our minutes are without Drew Timmy because they will pick on Timmy in the half court and if we can get good minutes out of Anton at the four and Ben Gregg at the five which has kind of been a really good defensive lineup for us God, the Gregasons, baby. I'm all in on Ben Gregg. I knew you would bring up Ben Gregg at some point during this talk. <laughs> Almost immediately, as it turns out. Um, that would just be really big. It, yeah. Our lineups with, if we can go Hickman, Salas, or Rasier, uh, obviously Strother, and then Anton, Ben Gregg, those are really good defensive lineups. And if our offense can hold down those minutes, and then we can use Drew Timmy in spurts, uh, we should handle business like we always do we beat st mary's all the time it's special because of game day it's not special because of st mary's i would say st mary's is better than usual this year i also think everybody else is worse than usual so yeah it of... is it is more special in that regard certainly... but I'm, I'm talking smack the st mary's is a good team no keep there, talking smack i love it <laughs> there is a massive amount of parody in college basketball this year we could really just touch on that man what a horrible year to be a top team you... number six virginia just lost today to like an unranked team every single day it's like you got a target on the back of your head if you're in the top 20. It's ridiculous. That's really why Gonzaga's stayed where they are. They don't want to be yeah. in the top 10 because they're bound to lose. Purdue is a team that has basically been the unanimous number one all year and lost two straight games to unranked teams. <laughs> like, like I'm excited for this tournament. This is the worst Gonzaga basketball team in four or five years. And we might have like the second best chance of winning the title just based on how... Everything, every, any game. I, you know, 
once again, we could lose any game, but other than Purdue, because we don't really have an answer for Zach Eady, I don't think there's a single team in the country where I'm like, we can't beat them. You're telling me Drew Timmy doesn't have a chance against Zach Eady? Drew Timmy would eat Zach Eady up on defense, <laughs> but the other way would not work out <laughs> so effectively. No, I don't I don't want that smoke. Yep, I'll yep. pass on Zach. <laughs> um, moving on from one Washington basketball team to the other two. Yes, yes. A good a good weekend for the for the Waz. Yeah, for UW, they beat Oregon and Oregon State. I think pretty handily. Like I don't think it really was close. Yeah. And then what did Wazoo do? They beat Oregon and Oregon State. Oh, I think well, pretty well, handily. Well, that's, <laughs> well, that's funny. Would you look at that? So just to clarify, that's Washington 4, Oregon 0. And we've got Puget Sound. <laughs> Suck it. Enjoy Tillamook cheese, suckers. <laughs> as we go down to Portland, as we just said. Gonna, yeah, we, we, we both love, love Oregon State. A couple of beeves <laughs> over here. But uh, no, that's great. I love, you know, we we went to grad school at Oregon State. We'll root for the beeves on occasion. But I love watching Washington teams beat up on Oregon teams. It's yeah, really, it's, it gives me life. It's like a big brother mentality, you know. Like, I lo- we, we love Oregon and Washington. You know, nobody, nobody in Washington should hate Oregon, but... Not the schools. Everybody should hate Oregon. Well, yes, University yes. Oregon. Everyone in the country should hate Oregon. <laughs> but we like the state. But much like a big brother to his younger brother, we enjoy giving him a noogie every chance we get. Mm-hmm. You know, we got better mountains. Better mountains. The one thing they do have is a better beach here. They do have better beaches. They do have better beaches, and they have Smith Rock. We both oh. like to rock climb on occasion. Yep. But we have the Dow. Oh, not the Dallas. They have the Dallas. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> we have a. Uh, we have uh, the sound. We have the sound. They which can't is, touch the hey, sound. That's what our podcast is based off of. There sound we go. Up, baby, right there. But and also, I was thinking of, uh, oh, what is it over near Spokane? The uh, the Palouse. Thank you. The Palouse. <laughs> the Palouse is really cool. We've got one half of the Columbia. Technically, more of the Columbia than they have. Yeah. Though they do have the outlet. Shit. It's pretty close to a draw. But we have Seattle, and Portland sucks. So yeah, and we have honestly, Spokane's pretty cool. Spokane's dope. The Ben's really cool, too. We got better access to Canada. Way better access to Canada. They have better access to California, though. Uh, yeah, but you have to drive through works. southern Oregon. I was going to say, they also, <laughs> they, yeah, they also border, like, the bad parts of Idaho. We border the cool parts of Idaho. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> We're going to spend the next 20 minutes just comparing every minute detail between Oregon and Washington. But a great a great uh, couple yeah. days for Washington College sports. Yep, yep. Um. I'm just going to touch on this now since it's not something that I feel like we need to further discuss, but I don't think UW or Wazoo have any like really great players. And I know we've talked about this and so we'll probably talk about Gonzaga current players going to the NBA at some point. We talked about this, bringing this up last week, but we never got around to it. That's right. I forgot about that. Um, UW has one current player who might go to the NBA right now. It's Keon Brooks. He's just a good, good scorer. He, he's just kind of a small power forward style player like he could be a stretch four but he's six seven so he's a little small on that front um and i just wanted to wanted to talk about that Kenyon menifield uh is one of the uw he's a freshman who scored 27 against oregon the other day and just had a really good game oh now that i think about it their game went to overtime but he scored 27 in that game and he's a freshman who just like is just really quick that's great he's a good he's taken on the role of point guard and it's been a good development hopefully he transfers to gonzaga um yeah, I guess with that in mind, I'll only touch on one player because I think there's only one player really worth touching on. It's not Ben Gregg, believe it or not. Um, it's Julian Strother. I have been, I love him as a player. I've been up and down on his NBA stock as like, you know, what can he really be in the in the league? Um, I'm now firmly planting my flag on the he will be there 
and I would not be surprised if he went in the lottery. Uh, this year? Late lottery, maybe maybe just outside of it. But the thing is, he has been really good for us these last couple weeks, and I always forget how big he is. He's like 6'7". Yeah, he's a big dude. He's got a true NBA frame, and the game that really kind of sold it for me is this. I don't. We didn't talk about them beating LMU this last week, did we? That was probably after our last recording. No, but yeah. Anyway, you know, embarrassing loss to LMU. We crushed them this last week. We crushed them. We won by like 30-some, and we were up 15 in the first like five minutes. We stomped the door closed in that game. Don't ask me how you stomped the door closed, but we did it. Um, and Strother was a huge part of that. He was attacking the basket, really aggressive, making good decisions, and he was also just pulling up for deep NBA threes. And hit like six, seven threes in that game. And it was just a good reminder. It was like, oh, this guy is six, seven, athletic. You know, not super athletic, but athletic. Good defensive instincts. And a streaky shooter, but he's also, you know, 20. A streaky shooter, but when he's on, can hit from like true NBA range. Julian Strother will be a pro. I like that. Um, Anybody else, I'm not really sure. We did also talk about Wazoo players. We did we did a little bit of research. We've talked did about how we we're not... Did we not talk about that last time? We did do research. Yeah, we did research. I think we saved it. But I'm, I'm bringing out the old paper, just if you guys could hear that rustling in the background. Notes. <laughs> um, so the two players that we thought had maybe potential to go to the NBA, and this is solely based on their current seasons. We haven't really heard anything about you know players who might be good but are underdeveloped and need Certainly, more playing yeah, time. This is all based on this season's performance. Um, but TJ Bamba at Atawazu is a six five two fifteen junior who's averaging fourteen four and one point six, so fourteen or I guess fourteen point seven points, four rebounds and one point six assist. Yeah, one point six assists. Um, and he's just like a solid scoring point guard, I think. Um, or maybe he's a, maybe he's a small forward, but he's just a good player. But I don't think he has any like his with his size at, his, at the position that he plays. I don't think he's uh, anything to write home about in the NBA. Sorry to the guy if he's listening. Don't think so. Um, <laughs> Whoops, you just lost a viewer. The other guy is Mohamed Gway. Gay. Gway. Um, he's got he's averaging thirteen point eight points, eight point five rebounds, and one point seven assists. So better rebound and assist statistics from a big man. Um, he's a 6'11", 210 sophomore. So he's got a little room to grow and develop. Um, and I also think he's pretty uh, pretty fresh. Um, or pretty, pretty, pretty raw is what I would call him. Just like, <laughs> you know, pure pure fresh. like... Fresh. <laughs> pure hustle guy. Fresh um, meat. But does again, he, again... Does he talk back a lot? Is he, is he pretty fresh? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> um, but we were looking it up. He's got like a 20% three-point percentage. And he... he to play in the NBA, you need to be shooting at least 30. I have B611 if he's a monster defensively. I just don't know if he Have is. you seen Nikola Jokic play? N- Nikola Jokic has flaws in his game, believe it or not. He can shoot a three, though. He sure can. <laughs> I just feel like, I think we've talked about this, like the stretch stretch five guy is kind of crucial to a team, especially if you're not going to be a dominant scorer down low. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think you necessarily have to be a stretch five. I think you, if you're not a stretch five, you have to be a monster on defense who can also rim, rim run. Yeah, you don't necessarily need to be able to post up, but you need to be able to rim run. Yeah, yeah. Um, just so you can be still useful in the pick and roll. Um, anyway, I you know, I think that's enough deep diving on players most people probably haven't heard of. Yeah. Um, that's kind of all the major stuff going on in Washington sports. We had a couple topics just to fill some time on national news stories. Yeah. So um, now's the time if you don't want to listen to national news, 
feel free to, to stop the podcast. We're going to get into it. But I would listen to this first one because I'm heated. You can <laughs> tune out for the next two, but this one I want people to hear. Um, staying in the realm of college basketball. Yes. A tragic story. It's a very, very serious situation. Um, an Alabama player, um, Miller. He's a star He's a star freshman. Andre Miller, I believe his name I think is. He's Brandon. Brandon Miller, thank you. Uh, Brandon Miller provided a gun to an ex-teammate, Darius Miles. Whew, I hope I'm getting these names right. I know it was I don't, I don't know the name. I know it was an ex-teammate. I don't yes. know the name of it. Um, provided him a handgun. Um, and later that night, in an altercation that seemed very spontaneous, that you know developed that night, I don't know exactly what happened, he, this ex-teammate, shot seven or eight times into an SUV and killed the 23-year-old female driver and I think injured one of the passengers um, and is obviously probably going to spend at least 25 years in prison. Um, very sad. No idea what led to the altercation. From what I was reading on it a little bit today, and it sounded like it was an organic altercation. It wasn't something premeditated. Mm. He went and like got the gun out of his car and then shot it up. It wasn't like he was necessarily planning on doing this. But the fact of the matter is, a freshman on the Alabama basketball team provided, provided a gun. Provided a handgun that, by the way, as a freshman at Alabama, I'm not sure that he's old enough to legally own a firearm. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know Alabama state law. You can law. legally own a firearm legally, but you can own a firearm anywhere in the U.S. if you really want to pretty easily. Yeah, but <laughs> legally is a big question. Yeah. But I, I'm assuming, I guess he must have, or he would be in more trouble. Yeah. But I'm not. I don't think. The police are coming after him as a suspect in anything. I'm not saying that he should spend any time in jail. But Frank Oates, the head coach for the Nate, Alabama... Nate Oates. Frank Oates, sorry. Nate Oates. I said that right when we were talking about yeah. that. <laughs> Nate Oates uh, came out and gave just a really weird statement talking about how it was not... they you know His involvement, Miller's involvement, was not a big deal. That it was a wrong place, wrong time situation. And that they were... They planned no punishment for Miller at all. Um, and then there was some backlash, and he came back today and kind of backed off those comments a little bit, but still basically said, hey, Miller is not going to be suspended. There's not going to be any sort of punishment. He really was just like, he didn't really do anything wrong. But it didn't really do anything. That's that's what that was the vibe that I got from the uh, notes. Understood. And from a legal sense, that may be true. But the fact of the matter is, these guys are supposed to be leaders of men. They're supposed to be helping these kids grow into adults they're not just players these are miller's a freshman he's probably he's 18 18 years old i'm not saying you suspect you kick him out of the program for good there are probably some places that would kick him out of the program for providing a handgun in a fatal shooting a woman died and this coach's mindset is oh wrong place wrong time he's not gonna get in any trouble you're not gonna suspend him for a game you're not gonna slap him on the wrist and tell the rest of your program hey Maybe don't be giving handguns to ex-teammates. Maybe that's a bad thing to do. It just, I was blown away. Maybe I'm more heated than I need to be. But I just, I thought that was such a wildly irresponsible way to interpret that. To be like, oh, his involvement wasn't a big deal. It is what it is, whatever, we're moving on. It's a big deal, and there should have been something to come out of it. No, I agree. And I think, honestly, there's probably something to do with their current positioning in the yeah yeah that's very NCAA true in the NCAA tournament and they're, everything I think they're a 7th yeah. ranked team in they're, the country and he's a star player for them but the fact that you can allow that to sway a decision for something that's 
primarily not really basketball related. Like it, yeah. you should be suspending a player for multiple games if they if they're first of all they're dealing with a legal case right now. Like why yeah. are you still playing basketball for the team? Yeah, it's like yeah, just really crazy. And I get that he didn't pull the trigger, but the fact of the matter is he made a decision because of that decision that a woman, a young, very young woman, is now dead. Um, and the way that Nate Oates is just brushing past that, I think is very frustrating. I can't imagine any of the friends or family or relatives of that young woman feel like she's being treated with much respect. It's just pretty crazy. It's like, it'd be like if he like fell asleep at the wheel and hit a pedestrian. I mean, not exactly the same, but it's like, okay, yeah, you weren't trying to do something, but because of your actions, I don't know. I just, I, I, I would, I would think the responsible thing to do would be sit him for the rest of the season. I think that would be a very reasonable reaction to what happened. Yeah, or at least until, honestly, until, like, the case is settled, because it's sure, still going sure. on. Like, And if, you know, if you're like, hey, we're really good, and we want to try to win this, okay, I get that. I understand there's a lot of money in the program. Sit him until the tournament, okay? You're not going to get a, you're not going to get a 12 seed. You're probably going to be a 3 or 4 seed. I just... Yeah, it, it, it's a it's a really bad look for Nate Oates in the oh, Alabama basketball program, particularly for Nate Oates. Yeah, yeah. If if Mark Few did that, whew, goodness. Yeah, um, yeah. Not not a not a great uh, not a, not a lovely topic for us to talk about, but we felt like it was something that was happening in sports that was needed to needed to be discussed. Yeah, that's yeah more of a general topic, but I just I think that's crazy. Yeah, all for all our Alabama listeners, write your senator. <laughs> 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 the joke is we do not have a large following in Alabama at the moment. <laughs> maybe this will be what gets us there. Yeah, we'll unite the people of Alabama. We're, we're gonna we're gonna clip this this section and just really go off on this. What's a bummer too is I I really liked Nate Oates as a head coach. This kinda, I did too. This kind of came out of left field for me. I was really surprised. Yeah. No, like last year his team was very in, honestly kind of inspiring. Yeah. Um, yeah. just the way that they like came kind of came from nowhere. And Their program has been yeah, it's been a, a a fun team these last couple of years. Probably. But yeah, a little, little disappointed. Moving to lighter topics. Lighter topics, but still bad things. The NBA All-Star Game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you think a fatal shooting is bad. <laughs> Look what the NBA subjected us to in this year's All-Star Game. Um, uh, it was a mess. It was so bad. Super uncompetitive. I was hearing, I was listening to the Zach Lowe podcast. I love Zach Lowe. He's great. You know, Zach like, Lowe, come on our podcast. I was going to say, we shout out Zach Lowe, he shouts us <laughs> out. It's a it's a peer-style relationship with us and Zach. Um, but he was talking about, I thought it was a really good point, that you've seen it more and more during the All-Star Games in the coming years, but this year in particular, you would see moments where players were like actually putting in defensive effort for like a play, and then you would literally see them be like, oh, whoops, no, no, I'm not supposed to be doing this. Like, sorry, guys. Like, I'm, like, breaking the rules, trying on defense, and then, you know, give up again. And it's just so embarrassing to watch. It's so bad. Those moments where it's like, oh, right, I'm not supposed to be giving a shit. I might be making you look bad because I'm putting in an iota defensive effort. Ugh, it's just really, really bad. And guess what? Not fun to watch. And guess what? A lot of people didn't watch it. Yeah, a lot of the ratings, I think 28% of the, like, the rating or... The, the viewership went down 28%. Wow, that's significant. Um, which is huge. It was, I think, the biggest drop-off since 2000. Wow. Um, Rightfully so. 
it was it was awful. I don't I I honestly didn't even watch any part of All Star Weekend. Yeah. Well, um, I, the, I just saw clips and it was just like one v one from the from the left wing. Yeah. From Jason Brown and Jalen Tatum playing one on one and it was like Jason Brown and Jalen Tatum. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> don't even know who they are. <laughs> the Jays. The Jays. They were just one one on one v oneing each other for. Yeah two minutes of the game and it was just like everybody standing in the middle at half court and jason tatum had like 52 but also like jason what are you doing if nobody's trying at least spread the ball around like are you really gonna be the guy that just launches shots it's an all-star game let some other guys get some shots up but yeah it kind of just an embarrassing showing dunk contest was cool shout out mac mcclung honestly god it's hard it's hard to live up to the zach levine aaron gordon he did really good but he did good he he has put on certainly the best performance since that last matchup i would agree and to be fair that might have been the best dunk contest ever yeah come at me guys in your 50s that love vince (laughs) carter i don't care aaron gordon is our vince carter um Um, do you want to talk about ways that we think the all-star game could improve i feel like this would be a fun little brainstorm absolutely i have a I have the solution, so do you want to go first so that you can get something in before I actually just solve it? No, solve it. Okay. And I'll come in with adjustments to your solving. Certainly. It's super easy. I've been hearing a lot of stuff about, like, oh, how can we tweak it here? How can we change the incentives? It's really easy. Monetarily, one, the amounts that you would have to make it such that players would care for the money would be, like, gratuitous and would be a bad look for the league. Yeah. They're like, okay, every player on the winning team gets like $5 million. That's probably what it would take for these guys to be putting in real effort, just based on how much they're making. And I just think that's a bad look for the league. You don't want to be like, oh, yeah, we had to throw you know, $60 million at this game to get them to try. It's a bad look. Very, very simple. Go back to East-West. I know the draft is fun. Go back to East-West and adopt the MLB style of having the winner of the All-Star Game get home court in the finals. The All-Star Game is predominantly made up of the best players on the best teams. That's how you make it to the All-Star Game. Sure, there are probably a couple All-Stars on crappy teams that don't necessarily care about home court in the finals, but a lot of the really good players on those teams will care, and they will lift those guys up. Even guys like LeBron, it's like, okay, we're trying to make the play-in. We would like to win a championship, so yeah, we're going to try in the All-Star Game because... If everything breaks our way, it sure would be nice to have home court in the finals. And it would also just be a good, you know, there's kind of this balance of power between the East and West. And, you know, there are years, I'm thinking back to 2014-15, when the Atlanta Hawks had the best record in the NBA and got swept, I think, by the Cavs in the first round, or then the second round. Do you remember that? It was like the five all-star, when they had Al Horford and Paul Millsap and... uh, Anyway, that crew, Jeff Teague. Mm-hmm. Um, and that year was a great indicator of like, wow, the East sucks. And this team that just has like good players and plays professionally is rolling, while the West was stacked and people were just bludgeoning each other. Well, guess who would have won that All-Star game? The West. And then that would have been a good chip to the West to be like, okay, yeah, they may have a better record over there, but it's because they're playing scrubs. Your All-Stars showed that the top-end talent on your side of the bracket is stronger you deserve home court in the finals. So, one, it's fair. It is fair. In, in a, you know, obviously there could be situations where it would be frustrating, but in a large scale, it is fair. And I do think it would make people care. You don't think Giannis would be busting his teammates' asses for not getting back on defense mm-hmm. if Milwaukee has a chance to win the finals this year? He would be barking at players. 
I I really hate the draft format because it just makes you like it's kind of like picking your friends. Yeah. Like there's yeah. no there's no rhyme or reason to picking. It's not like people are playing defense. So at that point, you just pick the best one on one players and just are like, ah, yeah. I want to watch this guy cook for a minute. It's also kind of like a hey, why don't you come be on my team? Yeah. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I don't necessarily have a problem with that, but do you see any any? Is there any problem? Please tell me literally anything wrong with how I just literally solved the All Star game. I. Point out the flaws. My my main concern is that they still wouldn't be trying as hard, just because I feel like I you know what's the reason they don't try right now? It's because they want to preserve their bodies, no, and not necessarily because correct they don't see a point to it. Like it's still fun; they're still raising money for charity. Yeah, but they want to preserve their bodies and playing against the highest level of opponent in a game that doesn't technically matter for their season, except for in the finals would make a lot of players just not really want to play. I think, you know, you'd get you'd get players on, you know, like Dame probably wouldn't play. Dame, you're right. That's a good example. Um, so you you just get less of the top-tier All-Stars, but I think the game would be so much better. I agree. I do think in general, too, the nice thing about my format, just real quick, is that if you're in the All-Star game and you're on a bad team that doesn't have a real shot in the playoffs, it's probably because you really give a shit. That's That tends to be how that works out. You yeah. Know? the Russell Westbrooks on Oklahoma City, the Damian Lillards on Portland, where it's like, you're here because you give a shit. I feel like Dame would like working in the All-Star game. Like, he's a guy that would like it if everyone was busting their ass. Oh, I think they all would like it, but I think uh, a lot... Like, like uh, Jalen Brown was like... Jalen Brown's a good example. He was he's, like, he's one of the guys that several times you could see him trying on defense and then being like, oh shit, I shouldn't be doing this. You yeah. Know? He, he, would, he that, commented, he was like, this isn't even real basketball. Yeah. Right. That's how he would like to play. That's a great example. Yeah. But so you have those guys and then the top end guys, they would care. You, uh, one thing to remember too, these guys have egos, rightfully so. Luka Doncic thinks he has what it takes to make it to the NBA Finals. He wants to win the Finals. He knows that having home court is a competitive edge. He's not saying, oh, we're the five seed. We probably won't make the finals. I'm not going to try. At the very least, it would set a floor. And at the very least, the teams on the best teams, the Giannis's, the Jokic's, they, they would, would care a lot. They would care. And because they would be out there trying and nobody could slander them for trying. Nobody could be like, oh, what a try hard showing up in the All-Star game. It's like, no, he wants home court in the finals. He thinks they can get there. And once you've got two or three guys on each team that are really working their asses off, then everyone else looks like a jabroni if they're not, you know? I agree. I agree. I just, I, that seems like a no-brainer. There, I'm sure there are potential issues, but that just, and you know, if nobody wants to watch, then fine, but it would still matter. I always liked that about the MLB All-Star Game. I always thought that that was a good thing. It's like... Yeah, it should, the All-Star Game should have an impact on the yeah. regular, or on the season. Like, I feel like it should have some significance. And I know that hypothetically you could get a really monstrous team that won a ton of games playing like a five seed from the other conference... And if the other conference won the All-Star game, they'd have home court. But also, in that case, it's like, hey, if you're way better, take it back. Yeah. And also, like, the thing about the conferences, less in basketball than in baseball, but still in both, is you are majorly playing teams within your own conference. You cross over, but the majority of your games are focused on your conference, which means your record is not necessarily a reflection of your skill compared to teams in the other conference. Yeah. So it's a great way of being like, hey, let's take the top-end talent and say who deserves home court. I think it works on all levels. I agree. The one other thing that I thought was interesting when, when I was thinking about the All-Star game this year was that the trade deadline was right before the All-Star game. <laughs> and yeah, so Kevin yeah. Durant was playing for Brooklyn and then got traded to the Suns. And was he would he technically be a part of the Western 
All-Stars, if that's that a, happened? That's a great question. That's very interesting. I guess... Which is, you know, probably part of the reason for the draft is they don't have to worry about that. That's a really good question. I no, I think he'd probably represent the East. Because, you know, it's I not think like... what you do is just move the trade deadline back. Would the, um, I think that or, like, honestly, it's like... Because you would have situations where guys are traded mid-season. Or, yeah. But I think you just... He would represent the East. He was an Eastern All-Star... When he was or, voted yeah, in. when he got voted, yeah. Yeah, it's when you're voted in. And he doesn't have to wear the Brooklyn jersey. He's wearing an Eastern All-Star jersey. It's like, I think that's how it... Oh, but then would he be... St- yeah, yeah. <laughs> then, then, then would he be trying? Hucking <laughs> the ball out of bounds. Um, Coach LeBron is like, hey, we're not playing you today, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I get, Okay, what you'd probably do then... This is definitely what they do. It'd be like an injury. You'd have a sub come in. You'd have yeah. a, a replacement All-Star. Yeah. You'd be like, hey, Kevin, sorry. You got traded at the trade deadline. You don't get to be in the All-Star. You, you requested to get out of Brooklyn. I'm yeah. sorry. You have to deal with the consequences. I think that's what they do. I, You know, they've had the trade deadline for years and had East and West for years. I don't remember how that would work, but I'm sure it's come up once before in history. Yeah. yeah. Um, We're at 56 minutes. Yeah. I don't think we need to talk about the last topic. We'll, yeah. We might... We might just tease you, but it also it'll be it'll it be a topic be, of discussion. Uh, it was going to be Derek Carr versus Aaron Rodgers on the Jets. Nobody really wants to hear that. Yeah, especially if you're listening to this podcast, you're just our friend, probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well, I think I think that's probably a good place to call it. Yeah. Um, you want to you want to fade us out? I'll hit us with the outro. Do it. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode of Sound Up Seattle, please feel free to follow the podcast on Spotify. You can find Sound Up Seattle on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram at Sound Up Seattle. Just all lowercase, sound up Seattle, no spaces. Uh, I can be reached everywhere at Tycart50. That's T-Y-C-A-R-T-5-0. And John really can't be reached anywhere, but he also really likes to get hot takes off, so you probably don't want to talk to him. Um, (laughs) I'll just roast you, man. (laughs) Stay safe. I would update you, or not I would, I will update you. We are uh, currently working on getting an intro music and... uh, and some artwork for our podcast. So eventually we will have a podcast cover. Currently it's just RSS feed because that's the website that we use. But it'll get there. John's going to make a lovely piece of artwork for you guys. Yeah, I'll get a big Nissan Rogue logo. <laughs> it's going to be great. Very tasteful. <laughs> Anyways, um, we hope you have a good... I guess this will probably be out tonight. So great Thursday morning if you're listening to it then. Our listeners are prompt. Yeah. If not, have a good weekend. If anything, I'm talking to myself, and it feels great to just give myself a happy happy Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Um, we hope you have a great week and weekend, and uh, go squids. Go zags. Ooh, changing it up. I'm going to get sued by Nissan. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, Nissan, don't come after us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Guys, come on. <laughs> We're making this in a room. Give us a break. Um, or well, money. That'd be, that we'd could, love some money. We would love to keep throwing that ad up. It, it doesn't say anything bad about Nissan, really.